Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, we're studying and learning about the next generation all the time. And so today we're going to focus in on Gen Z. Occasionally we like to do kind of a what's going on in the world yeah, of Gen Z. Yeah. And that's really what this podcast is all about today. It is. As I look at Generation Z, the youngest population that we're measuring today, I'm reminded that there are tragic and heroic moments that mark every generation. Yeah. So we certainly can see that today. But, but oh yeah, oh my gosh, over the last 60, 70, 80 years, since the boomers yep. started being born, yep. there have been moments that mark us in our growing up years and that kind of give us a, a paradigm with which to look at the world yes. or through which to work at, look at the world. So for instance, I'll, I'll do a couple for instance. Yeah, take us back. So for Generation Z, clearly this pandemic will mark them. Yes. They were teenagers, they were middle school, high school, college, and they're going to always look back and go, oh my gosh, remember the pandemic, we yep. wore masks for yep. a whole year yep. during our senior year or whatever. Yep. For millennials, I think it was very clearly 911. You, you're a millennial. Would you agree that was? I would. Yeah. Huge. I think I was 12, maybe 13 when 911 yeah. happened. And uh, anybody my age can answer the question, where were you when? Yes. Yeah. Um, and right. obviously adults can do it. But I think being a young person at that moment just sort of threw into question. Yeah. Are we safe? What is life looking like? And it's honestly very similar to how Generation Z is experiencing the pandemic. Are we safe? What's the future going to look like? Uh, how am I supposed to react to this and all yeah. that? So. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think for Gen X, so we're going a little bit older now, yeah. they're in midlife and beyond. I think for many, for at least the early batch, it was Watergate, the impeachment, and then the resignation of yeah. President Nixon. Uh, we became a bit more jaded as yep. a nation as yep. they were growing up. Yep. And the OPEC gas crisis, the failed hostage uh, retrieval in, in Iran, it was just a horrible time for many. Yeah. But these were kids. Gen Xers were kids. And I remember, they'll never forget Watergate. Oh, my gosh, that's weird. The yeah. president quit. It changed yeah. the way that we thought about authority, right? Yeah, that's that right. person was not just the all-powerful president of the United States, mm -hmm. our fearless leader. All of a sudden... That person could be a person of no character and yeah. make a really horrible decision. Yeah. So, and then for us baby boomers who remember the 1960s, and I do remember the 1960s. Yeah, um, I think it was the assassinations. It was Martin Luther King and JFK. I remember yeah. JFK was assassinated on my fourth birthday party. Oh. I was just, I was really young. Your birthday party? Yeah. Wow. So I'm having a birthday, November 22nd, 1963, and I don't remember all the drama. Of course, but I do yeah. remember. This is weird. Everybody's it's not sad. about me anymore. That's right. Yeah. It's not about me. It's they're really sad watching this black and white TV. And uh, it was scary. And then in 68, Robert F. Kennedy, Dr. Martin Luther King were both shot and killed. I remember 1968 thinking, is the world going to come to an end? Yeah. No, I was eight or nine years old. But again, every generation is marked by shared tragedies, shared heroes, shared economies. Yep. Uh, shared uh, television programs and music that kind yep. of mark us. Yep. And I'm just thinking it's smart for us to go back, see what these markers were, and then now for Gen Z, say, how do we lead them better, knowing what we need to empathize with? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, us adults lived through everything that Generation Z has lived through, right? So you yeah. might say, like, why do we need a history yeah. lesson yeah. on what happened to the kids that we were there the whole time for? But what we don't often think about is what it's like to go through those cultural moments and that be the only thing you ever knew. 
right? Yeah. This is your only context. It's not just yeah. part of your context. It's your only context. Yeah. And so when you sort of consider it that way, it's almost like you're seeing the the recent history through the eyes yeah. of a Generation Z member. And when you do that, it changes the way that you think about the things that have happened. No doubt. And one more reason to underscore why it's important to know what we're going through through the lens of a child or a, or a teenager, our neural pathways are being formed in the first two decades yeah. of our life. Yeah. It's not that they're not pliable or flexible afterwards. We can change at 35 or 40, but it's harder to change. Much harder. So it's like wet cement. You mm-hmm. know, it dries eventually and it's harder to crack open or change. Mm-hmm. So um, you're right. When these big markers, when we identify them, we lead better because we know, oh, they were shaped by that more than I. I was shaped by 911, but not nearly as much as perhaps you were. Yep. You were thinking as a young guy, oh my gosh, now the war has come to us. Yep. We were, you know, attacked. It was in on New the York other City. side of the world. And yeah, now, that's yep. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, what I'd like to do, Andrew, in this particular conversation is look at 10 realities that may explain at least part of the behavior of Generation Z. We Maybe we go, huh, yeah, I do know that. I didn't realize it might have shaped them like it's that. It's funny the way that you said that, because I think that's the question adults are asking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with these kids today? Well, <laughs> yeah. the deal is, it's the realities that you and I have seen too. It's just that for them, it's happening in this pivotal moment in yeah. history. So let's look through the eyes of Gen Z with these 10 facts. Good. All right. So let's jump in. Number one. Um, simple to understand, but it has some meaning to it. Number one, they are younger than Google. <laughs> I, you know, that's just weird. Yeah. I remember when Google started. I remember when I first Googled something. Yeah. And you probably do too. Mm-hmm. So Google was founded on September 4th, 1998. These kids really don't remember a day before that. In fact, if they're born since 2000. Quite they, literally, they don't they, remember they a day. They don't. Yeah. They have no memory. In fact, because information sources are commonplace for them, they're asking Google, Alexa, and Siri questions they used to ask their parents. It's true. I talked to a dad recently that said, I'm not having the same conversations I used to have with my dad. And I said, have you heard of Google? Yeah. <laughs> so they're typing instead of talking. Yeah. So Google searches have always been around for them, and they often replace the conversations between themselves and past generations. We're going to have to be way more intentional about creating environments for those conversations, if indeed you still want them, because I'm telling you, it's easy to type than to talk. Absolutely. Roles are being shifted and in some ways replaced, and this yeah. is a big challenge I think a lot of adults feel is like there's not this respect for authority and uh, uh, kids aren't reaching out to me and asking me the same questions I used to and it's just we have to acknowledge that the world has shifted a little bit that doesn't mean we can't go back in some ways to those places but really it's it's acknowledging that our our role has shifted you talked about this for years from informers as in we're the adults with all the information to now we are interpreters yep Uh, our true role now is to step into that information age that world of information that kids have access to and help them know what's worth paying attention to and not. I just had a thought. It's brand new, so it may be a bad thought, but okay. we're recording right now, aren't we? Why? Yeah. Why not I now? just got to thinking, maybe one of the reasons we hear so many adult leaders saying, I don't think kids respect adults, uh, leaders anymore, or as much, might be they don't feel like they need us as much as we used to. Yeah. You're right. The adult generation, we were the sources of information. Yeah. Very and practical now, information that's sometimes. Right. Yeah. And now they go... I can look that up, you know? So it's even though it's not true, they do need us. They might have that inkling, maybe I don't respect you because I don't know if I even need you in my life. It's just a weird thought, but I think it's real for some. It's real. It's real. All All right, right, number two. Number two, they don't have any memories of the Columbine High School Massacre. 
Mm. Now you may go, well, that was just one event in history. Yeah, but it was a big one, if you remember. That really, even though there were school shootings before that time, that one was the biggest at the time and really put that whole idea of school shootings on the map. And now we've gone through periods where there were more mass shootings than we had days in the year. 2019, more mass shootings than days in the year. Yeah. So Generation Z, again, is formed in a day where this is normalized. Every parent or teacher over 35 years old recalls this tragedy in Littleton, Colorado. I used to live 15 minutes away from Littleton, Colorado. And I remember Columbine High School before 1999. Uh, 15 people died at the hands of two young perpetrators. Um, Angst already existed. But this tragedy sealed the fear narrative in the minds of parents. Yeah. So that's what I want you to capture, listeners. The fear narrative was already starting to brew. We wanted to put helmets on them when they rode their bikes and put knee pads on. And oh, my gosh. But after Columbine, it was like, OMG, we're going to keep them at home. In fact, I remember after that happened, many parents called and just brought their kids home from a school in New Jersey. It wasn't even in Colorado. We just got scared for our kiddos. Now, is that normal? Of course it's normal. Is it bad? Of course it's bad because now this fear narrative almost dictates some of the way these kids are being raised by grownups. We're scared at school. We're scared at home. We're scared to let them go out at nighttime. We would never let them out at nighttime now. Well, I remember playing as a kid. I was playing at nighttime out, and as long as there was a streetlight somewhere, yeah. it, was just, it was just a different day. So millions became safety-obsessed with their kids. And I, I think safety is a good thing. Safety-obsession can be a harmful thing. I agree. In fact, actually, the safety-obsession can do more harm than the actual thing we're fra- afraid of. Um, so we, we, need, we became more prescriptive. We let our kids do less. Uh, less risky things, and risk is actually part of how we grow up and mature is taking calculated and appropriate risks. And I'm afraid that may be in the past now. Yeah, I think the great challenge we're experiencing with young people is now because they don't remember this point in history, they don't remember what things were like. So you and I that could remember how growing up was before yeah. uh, this Columbine massacre. Uh, kids today don't have that. So to what what we might describe today as safety-obsessed culture, a student just sees as normal. Yeah, Oh, this right. is how a parent's supposed to yeah. act. Uh, we're naturally supposed to be fearful of mm-hmm. what might happen. And we, we know that's not true, right? Yeah. We've conditioned our kids growing up in a world to peek behind every corner and be worried about what might happen and all of those things. And we have to acknowledge we were a little bit misguided perhaps a little bit overreacting in how we handled those situations and how we've raised our kids since then. And so what the result is, is a young adult population in their 20s that has, as a generation, not everyone, but as a generation, is more risk averse than past young adult populations. I don't think that's helpful. Uh, I think our nation, the one we're living in anyway, was founded on risk. We started a country and thought maybe we won't work. This won't work. You know, we fought a much larger army in Britain that... So I, I don't want to lose that spirit, and I think we're going to have to adjust maybe our leadership. Absolutely. All right. I think we need to pick up the pace. Yes, Number we do. three. Okay. Number three. Their lives are guided and monitored by social media apps. Yep. Okay. Now, we all know that. But millennials grew up with a cell phone. Generation Z has grown up with a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Smart technology turned phones into portable computers. We all know that. 
but all activity is tracked and nudged. We have notifications that push us. We even call it push notifications, don't we? Uh, which keeps us interacting with our tribe in echo chambers. Narratives are niched. Do you follow that, listeners? Mm-hmm. In other words, I can listen to a group of people that all agree with me. Yep. And kids find that just like we do find it. So in short, <laughs> I love this statement. When our phones had leashes, that's what it was like when I was young. Yep. When our phones had leashes, we were free. Yep. Now our phones are free and we have leashes. We are in some sort of bondage to the lane that we chose, or maybe didn't even choose. It was chosen for us. And I think we're going to have to um, help them out of the echo chambers and into a larger uh, worldview. We never thought we'd we'd find ourselves missing that uh, really long curly cord on the phone in the kitchen, (laughs) right? And yet now we're kind of wondering if that wasn't better in in some ways. I I heard a a thinker say recently that we only consider things to be technology if they were invented after we our first memory basically right, right? right so kids today don't think of the smartphone as their technology yeah. right it's just what's always been yeah uh, it's the adults who look at this and go well this technology you know this yeah whatever we get all upset but the reality is for them it's all they've ever known yeah it's the, true the way they interact with the world it they can't imagine a different way because they've never seen a different way yeah um, and that i think is one of the most profound things when we think about the role that technology as we adults like to call it is playing on their lives to them is just normalcy. Yep. So So, interesting. Number four, they learn about September 11th, 2001 as a story from history. Yeah. It's a history. It's like JFK or like, you know, Nixon's Watergate or whatever. That's what's strange to me because, again, you and I both remember where we were when we heard about that. So up until now, the U.S. military has been in Afghanistan their entire lives. It's the longest war in U.S. history. Yeah. It's been about 20 years. Yeah. And President Biden just began to pull the troops out. And even though it was chaotic, our troops were being removed. Think about it. All their lives they've grown up, there's been a war going on. Yep. And they learned about the start of this war as a piece of history. This is just weird. So um, it's always been in the news, Afghanistan, Iraq, etc. So before September 11th, wars were fought between nations Now wars are fought between ideologies, Mm -hmm. subgroups, living in various places driven by a worldview that divides populations. So we can't just attack Afghanistan, even though that's what we did. It wasn't a nation that did this. It was a Taliban and then an Al-Qaeda. So this really changes the game. It's not countries fighting countries. It's ideologies fighting ideologies. And here's the thought that I'm having. This may lead a generation like Generation Z, to grow up thinking there will be perpetual conflicts. Wars won't genuinely end. Yeah. I, 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 that's not, my, that's not me. so odd. Yeah. yeah. I, Vietnam War started and ended. It went yep. long, but yep. it, it ended in 1973, 74. Sign a treaty, move along. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Now, they may never end. It's, I can't imagine for kids today growing up and thinking, oh, yeah, there's always wars going on. We're, my uncle, my dad, whatever, yep. is always in this. It's, it's so wild. Yeah. And, and really to think, again, we're talking about normalcy a lot. Uh, war, conflict has been normalized because yeah. it's always perpetually going on. Even that idea, sometimes I hear about you know, World War I and World War II where uh, items were rationed. 
Yeah. People had to make sacrifices and um, maybe, you know, you had to go to work building planes or whatever for the U.S. government. None of that happens now. We've been in a perpetual war that frankly doesn't affect much of our lives. It just shows up on the evening news. And that's been happening for so long that it's just a totally different approach. Yeah, it is. um, Yeah. All right. Number five, they grew up anxious and are willing to pay for their privacy. Hmm. Isn't this interesting? Yeah. So this is data-driven. Uh, cyberbullying, suicidal ideation, fostered by online perpetrators, and mass shootings have been normalized for Generation Z. You alluded to that earlier. Fostering perpetual, at least so far, mental health issues. So um, they have a love-hate relationship with screens. Many teens will tell you that. They have a love-hate relationship with this thing. Some are getting off. Some are just now getting on. Uh, teens are aware of the dangers of information shared by shared with vendors and perpetrators. So um, we're finding out now in the, in the data that we're uh, digging up, they're probably going to enter adulthood willing to pay for their privacy online because I, I've seen what bad things can happen from it yep. uh, as I grew up. Yep. It's so true. I mean, we've already started paying for virus protection, right? Yep. Um, I am already paying for a password manager yep. and things that are going to keep track of, did my information end up on the dark web and all yeah. those things? Yeah. It's very normal now. It, just like you buy a security system for your house, you're buying a security system for that digital world. Yeah. It's amazing. Indeed. Number six. The Rodney King and O.J. Simpson trials are a piece of inexcusable history. Mm. So this has been interesting conversations for me and 16 to 24-year-olds that that happened back in the 90s. Both of those happened back in the 90s. But consider this. Racial tension has existed in America for centuries. But these two incidents influenced our culture and forged consequences that Generation Z just doesn't understand. And I can admit, I see why you wouldn't understand them. So think about it. Rodney King was a generally innocent man treated as guilty, and O.J. Simpson was a guilty man treated as innocent. And both African-Americans, so it was both, oh, that's, that's weird. So Generation Z is confused as they look back at the racial trade-offs America has made unable to live up to our ideals. Yeah. And by the way, I need to say this, it was my generation that didn't get it right. Mm-hmm. Gen X and boomers just, and I'm not blaming everybody, I'm just saying, yeah. at least represented in those two situations. Yeah. We all saw footage of that Rodney King beating and we thought, what is going on in LA? And then we saw OJ Simpson on TV what is going on in LA? Yeah. And many of them said, yeah, we're getting back at what went, went wrong with the Rodney King. So I'm not saying I have an answer. I'm just saying, if you're thinking, why are Gen Zers and millennials so up in arms about racial tension? Hello? Yeah. What did we do the last 30 years that made yeah. it worse? Many things were done, but not enough. Yeah. And almost right. every Gen Z that's kid right. that has more knowledge and insight on this topic than we would have ever had at yeah, 10, yeah. 11, 12 years old That's right. in previous generations, they're looking at the history of this and going, why is it taking so yeah, long for us right. to figure this out, for us to address this issue? That's exactly right. Yep. All right. Number seven, more Generation Z women are enrolled in college than men. Hmm. Now, a lot of people would go, if, if they just watch the news and not history, uh, of course, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's true. That's the way it is, yeah. But boy, this is a, a relatively new phenomenon in my lifetime and really in your lifetime, and it may be a game changer. So think about this. As public schools focus on academics and almost purely on academics, 
uh, males increasingly see them as irrelevant. Mm. Um, I mean, teenagers and 20-somethings will go, you know, I just, I'm just not. A male might say, if they were honest, I'm not designed to sit in a chair at a desk for seven hours a day. Um, they can't connect the dots between the subjects they take and a future they envision for themselves. Mm-hmm. So since education feels tailored for females, and males would say that, true or not, they perceive it that way. Consequently, 60% of students enrolled in college are women. Now, when I was a child, it was the other way around. Yep. In fact, you go back 60, 70 years, it was, I mean, it was like uh, 37% women and 60% men. So it was, it's really been a turned, uh, turned coin. So this could flip. Now, think about this, listeners. If this is true and college graduates tend to make more money than not, uh, this could flip the executive job opportunities for females, which we're hearing that in in the news right now, and reverse the income gap. Yep. I mean, Andrew, you, we were joking. My wife's getting a law degree. Talk about what you just said to me. Yeah, yeah. My wife is getting a law degree right now, so she's in the middle of it, which uh, is quite an undertaking, but it's one of the things that we've even talked about. At the end of this thing, (laughs) you're going to be making more money than I am. It's almost (laughs) guaranteed, right? Yeah. So yeah, this is literally happening in my household, which I'm frankly, I'm totally fine with, right? But it does represent... I think it's a microcosm yeah. uh, that has happened for centuries, but it's yeah. going to become more common is yeah. I think what we're pointing out. So listeners hear what we're saying and what we're not saying. We're not saying this is bad. No. This is different. Yeah. And I think the male ego will need to be in check. Yeah. And, but, but see, I see you, Andrew, as an emotionally mature and secure person. Why, thank You're you. thrilled for her, your wife. Yes, yes. you're welcome. <laughs> we'll, we'll do a whole podcast on yeah, that. Yeah, we sure. need to. Celebrate, Andrew. But that's what it's going to require. Ego yeah. in check and emotional security saying, sweetheart, I'm so proud of what you've done. Yeah. My gosh, let me let you play to your strengths yep. and not feel like I'm threatened by this spouse or partner that makes more money than I do. Absolutely. And there's so many factors that are playing into this, which we're, we could try and wax eloquent about all the factors and we wouldn't get them yeah. all. I think there's yeah. a, major shifts and trends in uh, job availability. More trades are yeah. paying more money and males are going, yeah. why do I need to yeah. go get a college degree yeah. when I can go weld for $100,000 a year? And so yeah. rightly, they're asking some of those questions. And I think not all these uh, trends are negative or positive. Correct. It's just an acknowledgement that stuff is shifting. A hundred years ago, there were colleges that weren't allowing women in. Yeah. Now today, there's more women than men in colleges. Yeah. Uh, and that's a that's changing things. It and, is. And Gen Z is very much a part of that trend and going, this is awesome. Yeah, So it's true. All right, number eight. They are more likely than past generations to desire an activist government. Mm. So during Gen Z members' childhood, politics has changed profoundly. People would always say it's changing, but it's changed profoundly. Let me tell you what I mean. They witnessed the first black president and the first president with no political background at all. Yeah. You know? So we went from one side to the other for many American adults, and we're going, wow, wow, it's changing. This happened during their childhood. Yep. So it wasn't this guy that was in politics for 30, 40 years, finally gets, you know, this white male that got elected president. It was a different game. So sadly, they see a polarized voter population. Nobody would argue that today. And they wish for civility. Why can't you grownups talk about these issues without getting in some sort of fistfight or social media fight? The data shows they feel progress can only be made through a larger, more active government. Now, I grew up as a kid thinking smaller government's better, yep. not white or black, just smaller. And now they're going, I don't know if you can do this without a larger government. Yeah. So they may trade independence for security. And that seems like 
the trade that makes sense. Or at least independence for social change that they believe yeah, is that's important. that's right, exactly. Because I think yeah. so many of them look at the issues of the day and what they see is a bunch of adults who look like they can't agree on anything and yeah. their thought is, if somebody doesn't come in and make them change, yeah. the change is not going to yeah. happen. We need to legislate this. There's some logic behind yeah. that, behind yeah. their thinking on, on that. So yeah, it is, it's definitely a shift, definitely a change. Yeah. All right, two more quick ones. Number nine, <laughs> this will not shock anybody. Their favorite source of entertainment is video games. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And you would echo the amen on that. We see you? that all the time. Yeah. Yes. So about 26% of Gen Z members say video games are their top entertainment activity. And 87% from their age bracket say they play video games daily or weekly. Yeah. So yeah, there's still TV, there's still playlist on Spotify, but video games far and away the number one source of entertainment. The virtual world is more satisfying to them than it is for older generations. It's two-dimensional, I might add. So they're screenagers. I've been saying that for years and years and years. This may transform interpersonal relationships and their social-emotional skills. Yeah. We have seen more and more schools reach out to us saying we need SEL, social-emotional learning, because our, the interpersonal skills have gone down. I don't think they've gone down because kids are dumb. I think they've gone down because perhaps they've not developed them in like like past generations Absolutely. had to. You're not challenged to develop those social and emotional skills in a virtual world the same way you are yeah. in that physical world. So, yeah. And again, there's nothing wrong with video games. It's just an acknowledgement of a shift and a trend. The other really fascinating thing, uh, even with millennials, when video games were becoming incredibly popular, there was actually a gender gap there. Yeah. Far more males were playing yes. games than females. That gap is actually closing. Yeah. The, when it says 87% of all uh, yeah. kids today are playing video games. That includes males and females, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, they're, uh, that's one of the big shifts that's happened with Generation Z that's quite fascinating on no video games. No doubt about it. All right, the last one, number 10. They are the most diverse generation in American history. Yep. So beyond a shadow of a doubt. So the U.S. Census Bureau shows that the Generation Z population is already about half white and half minorities. Okay, so that's a shift from the time We're that already I was there. Born. Yes. Yeah. In the years ahead, ethnic diversity will increase and people of color will become the majority. Already, Gen Z is twice as diverse as the boomer population, which has led to a higher tolerance of mixed marriages and differences in race, gender, and style. In fact, a growing population would be mixed races. So it's not yep. just black, white, or, or Latinx. It's, it's a mixture of, of the races. Yep. So all I'm saying is this is not a newsflash, but the ramifications may be a newsflash. Uh, mom and dad see it differently than child who's getting married or, or at least partnering up with somebody, and it's just a new day yep. in the in the in, in Yeah, this is a country. part of our reality for them living in a world, in fact, in a community of people who are right around me, who are very different from me, yeah. is very normal, and they like it that way. Yeah. And I think that's one of the big shifts that's um, going to be coming. I agree. So some of these realities, listeners, that we've talked about are good, and some are not so good. I think you could reflect back on these 10 and go, yep, that is true. Mm -hmm. In any case, parents, teachers, coaches, and employers may just need to adjust how they lead and develop this young population based on these realities. We wanted to just have a conversation based on data and have you think through how might this change the way I lead. Our communication, our empathy, our pedagogy, our incentives, our leadership approach must both attract and challenge Generation Z members as they enter adulthood. And that's we would just say our future depends on that. Absolutely, absolutely.
Well, I want you to close, Tim, with um, something that a friend of ours said. Yeah. Uh, there's a principal here in Gwinnett County, Dorothy Jarrett, who just had an amazing insight. Because I think when we think about Generation Z, it's really easy to point our finger, right? Get upset about some trend or some change. The reality is differences are just differences, yeah, right? Every right. generation has them. We all walk in uh, uh, as a generation, as a sociological entity, and we've got a way of thinking about the world because of the world we grew up in. And I think so many times we want to correct and shift and how dare you and all those things. And I just think this principal, Dorothy Jarrett, she just got it right in the attitude we need to have and how we lead kids. So she really can you does. tell us about that? I have a great admiration for Dorothy Jarrett, who's the principal of South Gwinnett High School here in the greater Atlanta area. She thought she would retire her last administrative job, but they were she, the superintendent asked her to, to take over South Gwinnett, and she's doing a dandy job. But she and I recently had a discussion about how she's approaching her job that seems to have made a difference in the student body. Mm. And she calls it, I had to move from gotcha to gotcha. <laughs> and I said, what, what is that Come again mean? on that? Yeah. And it was all her hand motions. So listeners, I know you can't see me now, but I'm going to try to verbalize the hand motions. She said, I had to move from gotcha, which is pointing the finger at, Wagging a, and, yeah. at, a, at a, a, a student that just did something wrong, to... She showed me cupped hands that was catching someone. I moved from gotcha to gotcha. Mm. I'm going to catch you when you fall. I'm going to make sure you don't fail when you fall. I'm going to do my best to help sure help make sure you succeed and graduate and have a great future ahead of you. We've got to move from gotcha to gotcha in our leadership. Thank you, Dorothy Jarrett, for teaching me that. What a great leader. What a great leader. Well, if you're looking for more stats, facts, and figures on Generation Z, as well as how do I lead these kids uh, really well, Tim and I actually worked on a resource. It's called Generation Z Unfiltered, and it's all about leading students through the nine biggest challenges that we believe they're facing in the 21st century. Um, and so if that, you'd be interested in digging deeper on this, you don't want to just 10 quick facts, you actually want to go, how do I really invest in this next generation? That might be a resource that we think you would enjoy. And in fact, it's on sale right now. So you might want to pick it up. If you go on over to growingleaders.com slash store, you can find Generation Z Unfiltered there. It's only 10 bucks right now. So if you want to pick up a copy of that and dig into this, we'd love for you to get that. Again, it's called Generation Z Unfiltered. As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. That gets the word out about what we're doing here, and we really appreciate it. If you found this podcast helpful, we encourage you to share it with somebody who you think may also enjoy it. So whether it's a family, friend, uh, colleague, whoever it is, pass it along to somebody that you know. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, uh, people you think we should talk to and interview, uh, sub you think we should talk about, maybe another fact or a figure you think we, we might find interesting, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Tim, thanks so much for leading us today and talking about Gen Z. Thank you guys for leading so well, and we'll see you next time. Woo!